All right, let's stand up, let's pray, let's get right into the Word of God here this morning. Thank you. Dear Father, as we stand before you here today, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you as I come to teach that I do not have to depend on natural human abilities to teach, but I do depend on you. And therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within I thank you for supernatural recall of the Scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power and love, to each person's mind under the sound of my voice, that they may receive understanding and all confusion will go, and that they will receive faith in every heart and all fear will leave. And we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Please open your Bibles to Job chapter 1 and take out a pen and write in your Bible. If you can't write in your Bible, throw it away and get a good one. You need to write in your Bible. If you'll do that, I promise you right now, you'll grow so much faster so much faster if you can write in your Bible. If you read your Bible and you've written all sorts of notes in it from every weekend, I promise you right now, you won't believe how spiritual you'll become. Amen? Amen. Have you found Job 1 yet? All right, verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV translation. I just want to say this. I'm choosing the NIV translation here this morning for this particular verse because it is an Old Testament and they can't get much wrong with it. You know, the, um, several years ago, I took uh, several different translations, put them next to each other, and I studied the whole book of Ephesians from the original Greek to see how each translation had compared them, uh, had written and I found the most accurate by far was the King James. King James and the New King James, by far the most accurate. Word for word translation. And then uh, secondly, I found the early editions of the New Living Translation printed in 1985, 1990, 1980 in that area to be accurate as far as concept for concept translation is concerned. In other words, they take the concept that they're trying to explain and uh, in, that, in that era and they explain it as it would be in this era so we can understand what they're talking about. So concept for concept. And if you read the New Living and you read the New King James or the King James, you'll understand the Greek better that way. All right. But I found of all the translations I used that the NRV was the most inaccurate, the most inaccurate translation uh, in, in all the translations from the original Greek. So much missing. You know, for example, um, <clears throat> several years ago, archaeologists went out to try and find the boat, the ship that Paul sailed to Rome on, the one that sank, and they managed to survive by going to the island of Malta. Remember that? Lost the storm and sea. So when they um, searched for remains of that boat, around the island of Malta, they couldn't find it. And so they went to the King James, the new King James, and they found a verse that says in, in, in um, Acts chapter 27, a verse that says that 
the ship was, went to ground where two seas meet, where two oceans meet, where two tides clash. That's where the ship hit the sandbank. And uh, they looked in the other translations, and that verse wasn't in the other translations, only in the King James and New King James. So they went and asked around Malta, is there a place here where two seas meet? And they said, yes, it's right there. So they went down there, and they dived down there, and they found the four anchors of that boat in the ground from that boat that Paul was on that was destroyed. So the point I'm trying to make is that there are things in the King James that you won't find other translations have left them out. So that's why I'm saying it's more accurate than any other translation. All right, Job 1.1. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright and feared God and shunned evil. Blameless and upright, a godly man, feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, ten children. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 5,000 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. And had a large number of servants, and he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. So God says he was great because of all his possessions. The thing is, though, that God gave him all these possessions, and so God advertises all his possessions in the Bible. So this is not wrong to have things. God wants us to have things. Okay. Now, his sons used to take turns in holding feasts in their homes. And they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of his children, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. So, if you read that statement, clearly Job had fear in his life. He thought, perhaps my children have sinned. So, I better offer a burnt offering for each of my children when these feasts were done. Now, we know that fear opens a door to the devil. And we know that fear is faith in the devil, believing the devil will hurt us or can hurt us. So let's read on and see how Satan responded to Job's fear. All right? Job 1, we're still in Job chapter 1, verse 6. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with the angels. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth on it. From roaming through the earth and going back and forth on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on the earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man of, who fears God and shuns evil. So he's a man who fears God, shuns evil, He's upright, a godly man. Verse 9. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied. So the devil says to God, Job fears you for good reason. Verse 10. 
Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. Two very important things here. So Job could not attack, sorry, the devil could not attack Job because he had a hedge around him. Now, what hedge would that be? It would be angels, fiery angels. The Bible tells us, Psalm 91, that the angels of the Lord encamp around about us who fear the Lord and protect us in all of our ways. We need to claim that verse. If we don't claim it, we're not going to receive his blessing, right? So say this, I believe the angels of the Lord encamp around me and my family and my possessions and protect us in all of our ways. Now, evidently, the devil had gone to Job's house and could not penetrate that wall of angels. He could not hurt Job. So now he's complaining. And then he says, you have blessed the work of his hands. So even the devil knows that God blesses his children. Even the devil acknowledges that God has blessed his children and will bless and wants to bless his children. Can you see that? All right. So number one, notice that God blessed the work of his hands. And number two, there's a hedge of protection around the believer. And Satan cannot hurt us if we'll claim his protection. Verse 11. Now the devil says, but stretch out your hand and strike Job. Strike everything he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. Now there's a very strange reply here in verse 12. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. All that he has is in your power. Not going to be, is. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, some folks have the idea that God gave the devil authority to attack Job here. God merely informed Satan that the hedge was no longer there. God didn't tell the devil, I'll give you permission to attack Job. I'm removing the angels. He didn't do that. God revealed to the devil that the door was open and that he could attack him because there was no protection there. He says, behold, all that he has is in your hand. In other words, the angels have gone. That's what God says. See, God tells the truth, right? Here's the way, the truth, and the life. God tells the truth, right? Okay. God did not remove the hedge. Who removed the hedge? Job did. Job removed the hedge. Satan didn't even realize the hedge was gone. Satan didn't remove the hedge. He didn't even know the hedge was gone. He'd been to and fro on the earth. He hadn't been around Job's house. God said, you don't even know it, but there's no protection there. Since the last time he went, the angels are gone. Job removed the hedge because of his fears and what he said. He removed the hedge. I'll show you that now. All right, skip down to verse 17. Now, this is the work of the devil. Watch this. Not God. While... He was still speaking. Oh, hang on a second. I missed a page up. All right, we're going to go to page, verse 13, sorry. Find out how he removed the hedge. Verse 13. 
One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were ploughing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the sea beans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword. They killed your servants. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. So all the oxen were stolen and the servants were killed. So the devil and demons got into these people and attacked Job's servants and stole his property. The Sibians have been living side by side with Job all these years, but suddenly they become violent. You got it? Demons made the difference. Now, verse 16. While I still speak, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. So, while the servant's talking, here comes another servant. And he says, fire found from heaven. What's that? Lightning. So you can see now the lightning is striking the servants and killing them. So the devil can use lightning. Say that the devil can use lightning. Okay? And the servants were killed. Verse 17. While he's still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword. They killed your servants, stole your camels. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. So here now the devils get a hold of the sea beans and they get a hold of the Chaldeans. Living side by side all those years, all of a sudden, they go crazy. Demons get a hold of them. 18, while he's still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and your daughters were feasting and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them and they are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. So all of his children, all 10 of them are now dead. Because a wind came in from the desert and knocked the house on them. So you can see that the storm, the tornadoes, the hurricanes come from Satan, not God, right? And killed the sons and daughters of Job. Jesus said, peace be still to the storm when he's on the sea, right, of Galilee. Why would he stop the storm of God sent it? Verse 20. At this Job got up tore his clothes, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. So I came in as a baby naked, but I'm going to die with nothing. I'm going to die poor. Was that confession. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be blessed. So we can see clearly here that God didn't do any of this. Satan did it. As soon as the devil found out that the angels had gone, Satan attacked Job. He had tried many times before, but the angels were there and he couldn't get it right. Now the angels are gone and all of a sudden, all this happens. Clearly, this is the devil's work, not God's work. And yet Job doesn't know that. He does know why this is all happening. 
So he says, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. And I've seen funerals on TV where the preacher gets up and he says, there's a little girl lying in a coffin, call her Mary, and she's seven years old. And little brothers and sisters are standing around and the preacher says, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the little children say, God is a bad God, is a mean God. He killed my sister. She was a beautiful girl and he killed her. I'm not going to serve this God anymore. And walk away and never come back. That's not our God. You see, Job was wrong. Say this. Every word in the Bible is truly and accurately stated. But not every word in the Bible is a statement of truth. You see, they accused Jesus of being a blasphemer and a wine-bibber. They lied about him. Are those statements all true? No, they're not true. Jesus is not a blasphemer. He wasn't a wine-bibber. Right? So, the thing is, Every word that was stated is correctly recorded in the Bible. But not every word is a statement of truth in the Bible. That's why the Word of God says rightly divide the Word of God, the Word of truth. Rightly divide it. We have to look at Scripture in context with other Scriptures and in the context of the subject where you're reading, right? Okay. So we notice his confession. I'm going to leave this world naked. Now, how, do all, how did all this happen? How did it all happen? Number one, remember in the beginning, Job was afraid. Number two, fear opened the door to the devil. Number three, how did fear enter Job's heart? Through his mouth. You'll see that now. Listen to his confession, Job 3, 25. This is Job chapter 3, verse 25. Listen to what Job says here. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. He says, for the thing I greatly feared, past tense, what I was afraid of came upon me, and what I was dreading happened to me. So we can see that Job was afraid of these things and dreaded these things long before they happened. Long before his kids died and his camels were killed or taken, rather, Long before all that happened, Job was afraid it's going to happen. Say this, I must talk to my fears and declare I resist you. In the name of Jesus, this battle is the Lord's. Now, that's not all. The next verse. Now, we're still in Job chapter 3, verse 26 now. Watch what Job says about the future. He said, I'm not at ease. Now, he's standing there with nothing. He's, everything's gone. He's in boils, in his sackcloth and ashes. And uh, his family's dead except his wife. And all of his animals is, are gone. And he says, I'm not at ease. In other words, I'm stressed out. He's confessing, I'm stressed out. Now, I guess when everything goes wrong in your life, you'd be tempted to be stressed out. If you were Job, you'd be tempted to be stressed out at this point. Are you with me? But we never want to say it. 
We never want to say it, no matter what we're going through. We must not confess, I'm stressed out. Because guess what? You become stressed out more. You're putting that in concrete. God can't help you now. The angels can't help you. And the devil has full access to you to stress you out. Hello. Nor am I quiet. Nor am I quiet. I'm not at rest. I have no rest. I have no rest. I have no peace. Imagine saying that. We are supposed to say, praise God, no matter what happens, we're going to say, praise God, God's got this, everything's going to be fine. Amen? Amen. And it will be. It's going to be fine. We're at the end of the book. We win. Praise God. And then if that's not the end of it, it goes on and he says this, which just amazes me, for trouble comes. I'm, I'm, I'm not at ease. I'm unrest. I'm stressed out. Why? Because trouble's coming. Now, what about the trouble that's already been? This is chapter 3. All the things have gone wrong already. Now that he says, more trouble's coming. He's confessing and believing God, believing the devil for more trouble, for more trouble. Trouble's coming. If that was anybody that understood faith, you'd say, that's the end of trouble. In the name of Jesus, I resist this. I declare God. One, two, three. I declare God's fighting my battles. Maybe I should use a hand mark or something. Is it good? Okay. Say that. I declare God's fighting my battles. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So he's confessing for more trouble. So Job's confession brought fear. Job's confession brought Satan. That's why God said, that's why God said in Job 1 verse 12, we read that earlier on, behold, all that Job has is in your power. That's what he said to the devil. Behold, all that Job has is in your power. Why? Because great, Job was greatly afraid of all these things and he said that and he said it, right? God couldn't do anything else. He had to tell the truth. God didn't give him authority. Job gave him the authority. All that Job has is in your power because of what Job was doing. All right, now, Job 42, verse 5. My eyes, sorry, my ears had heard of you, but my eyes have now seen you. He's talking to God. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And Job, and after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. So you can see here that God blessed Job initially. Satan stole it all from him, but God gave him back twice as much as he gave him the first time. But he did that after he prayed for his friends. Now remember... His friends mocked him and, and, and said bad and unkind things about him while he was sitting there with boils and ashes and sackcloth and blamed him for all the stuff that's going on and said terrible things. So I can imagine that Job would be tempted to have unforgiveness in his heart towards his friends. So that's why God made him pray for his friends to make sure that Job would 
change his heart to his friends. That's why God, Jesus said to us, do good to those who spitefully use you. Pray for those who are um, your enemies, right? So say this, in order to stay free, when people persecute me, lie about me, and do things to hurt me, I must pray for them for my sake. I must pray for them. Okay, then God can bless us. Now, number one. So let's just see this. How to develop strong faith and stop fear. How to develop faith and stop fear. How? One. Number one. Meditate in God's Word day and night. Number two. Speak God's Word day and night. How to develop fear. How to develop fear, if you want to know. And how to destroy your faith, if you want to know. Here it is. Number one. Meditate on doubt, problems, lack, your inabilities, day and night. That's called worry. And then number two. Now speak out these worries day and night. Then Satan can do anything he wants to to hurt you and destroy your life. It's not rocket science, dear brother, family. So what are we supposed to do with our problems? 1 Peter 5 verse 6 in the New Testament. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So how do I humble myself under the hand of God? Say this, I need to be a doer of the word. If I'm doing the word, then I'm humbling myself under the hand of God. And then it says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. So I'm supposed to give God all my problems because he told me to. He said, give me your problems. I don't want you worried about these things. Let's say that right now. Father, I give you all my concerns, all my worries, all my problems. My financial situation, my health, every care I have, every challenge I face, I give it all to you now. This battle, these battles are the Lord's. He is sorting it out in Jesus' name. All right, now that was, praise God, give him some praise in the house. So now that is in the New Testament, right? Let's see if we can find the same thing in the Old Testament. Go to Psalm 55, 22. It says, cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. So when we give our problem to God, he will sustain us. So that if I give my problem to the Lord, he will sustain me. He will protect me. He will provide for me. He will keep me. The righteous will not be moved. Praise God. That's a great verse to keep for these end times, right? All right. Now, unless you cast your burden upon the Lord, He will sustain you. Go to Romans 10, verse 11. Here's another great end times scripture to stand on. It says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Say so this, Because I believe in God... I will never be embarrassed. I will never fail. I stay on that verse. I will not be put to shame. Praise God. God has got this. This battle is the Lord's. It's a great scripture to stand on. Now I say this. I can dominate death. 
with words of life. Again, I will dominate death with words of life. I will dominate hate with words of love. I will dominate fear with words of faith. I will dominate sickness with words of health. Say this. Health, health is a choice of words. Prosperity is a choice of words. Successful living is a choice of words. Success in my field of business is a choice of words. Prosperity in life is a choice of words. Being a soul winner is a choice of words. I am a soul winner. I win souls. God puts them before me, opens doors for me, and I sow the seed or I reel it in. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we remember to speak to our problems, not about our problems. And don't just keep quiet. Speak against your problem. Isaiah 26.3. God will keep him in perfect peace. His mind has stayed on him because he trusts in him. God will keep him in perfect peace because his mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. So, how do I trust in God? By focusing my mind on the Word. Focusing my mind on the Word. And if I focus my mind on the Word, I'll have perfect peace. So when we don't have perfect peace, it's because you're not spending time in the Word. I don't know why the lights are all gone out. You can still hear there while the lights are on again. Voila. Okay, so... You'll keep him in perfect peace because his mind has stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Amen? So say this, when I spend time in the Word, I'm going to have peace in my heart. The same thing is true found in the New Testament, Hebrews 4.3. For we which have believed do enter rest, as God said. All right, as he said in the Old Testament, right there in Isaiah 26, verse 3. We, ha- we which have believed to enter into rest. So rest is the result of reading and meditating and confessing the Word of God. Got it? If I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to have rest. Because no other way to get it. Amen. If I know God's got everything under control of my life, it all's cool, then I'm going to have rest. And I'm going to know that. I'm going to know that because I'm in the Word. I'm listening to church. I'm coming to church here in the Word. I know that God's got to take care of me. So I'm living in a life of rest. So when the problems come, we don't lose peace. We stay calm. We take authority. We deal with it in the Spirit. Because we had rest. We don't panic like a head, like a chicken with the heads cut off. Run around frantic. Now, I was in peace until the problem came. No, well, the thing is you weren't in peace. You thought you were, right? Because you weren't in the Word. Everything's cool. When the problem comes, you're not so cool. Not so cool. <laughs> but when the problems come, if you're in the Word, you can handle it. 
Right? You can handle it. Because God said, we which have believed do enter into rest. No ifs or buts about it. Right? I've shared this with you before. Several years ago, about seven, eight years ago, Steve Muncy and Melody Muncy were at Janusburg at the celebration. And sitting in the green room, Melody Muncy said to me, he was speaking at the church, they're good friends of ours, and she said, why are you so confident? And immediately I thought, well, it's not self-confidence. It's not self-confidence. I'm not confident in self. That's the flesh. It's of the devil. It's faith confidence. I'm confident because I'm trusting God to protect me, keep me, provide for me. And that happens, confidence comes because of the Word. So I explained it to her. I said, I'm confident because I spend time in the Word. That's why I'm confident because I know the Father is a loving Father and wants to care for us and take, solve our problems in life. Amen? And if I didn't spend time in the Word, I wouldn't have confidence. I'd be unsure, uncertain. I might have fear. But I know how to stay out of all that by staying in the Word. Amen? We've got to discipline ourselves. We've got to read the Bible, come to church, listen to the Word. It's discipline. Are you out there, church? You haven't gone home, have you? So we who believe have emptied into rest. There's no other way. Never open yourself up to fear. Don't watch movies that cause fear. Some folks got this idea, I'm going to watch all the horror movies I can find. And I've heard them say that. Oh, I'm going, I'm going to get my friends together. We're going to watch a few horror movies. Frankenstein and all the blobs, blob, green blobs and whatever have you. We're going to buy popcorn and put our feet on the seat and watch bite our nails off. I don't know anybody can be that dumb and still breathe. Because, you know, that's just saying, come, Mr. Devil, come get me. Open the door for the devil. There's no use trying to resist the devil after you do all that. I watch all these horror movies, now I'm lying in bed. I resist you, devil. I resist you, devil. The teeth are rattling. The devil's going to say, hey, I thought we were buddies. What are you talking about? Why do you resist me now? You've been watching me all night. We've been hanging out all night and watching these horror movies. Now you want to resist me. What's going on with you? Come on, buddy. Let's carry on with the fear parade. I'm going to keep you up all night. You're not going to sleep. John 8, 31. Jesus said, if you abide in my word... You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So this, the Word makes me free from fears, problems, anything, everything. I'm free. So to abide in the Word is to do the Word. To fix our mind on God is to read the Word and do the Word. Luke 6, 47, Jesus said, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you whom he's like. He's like a man who built his house, who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. 
And when the flood rose and the stream beat vehemently against that house, it could not shake it, for it is founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like the man who built his house on the sand, on the earth, without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. And I've asked folks around who, what is Jesus talking about here? What is the rock we have to build our life on? And they said, we've got to build our life on Jesus the rock. Well, <laughs> Jesus is wonderful. He's our Savior. He's all that. But he's not the rock Jesus is talking about here. He said in verse 47, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, he is the one who's built his house on the rock. To hear the word and do the word is to build your house on the rock. Say that. To build my house on the rock is to hear the word and do the word. And to build your house on the sand is to hear the word and not, not do it. To hear the word and not do it. To come to church, hear the word, and go home and have lunch. And somebody says, so what did uh, Dr. Theo talk about today? Um, what did he talk about today? I don't know. I never have a clue. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do the word if we don't remember for half an hour? what we heard in church. Are we out there, church? We're not coming here to ease our conscience. This is training. We are soldiers. We're fighting a war against demons. We better believe that. Are you out there? All the soldiers of Christ said, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> Good. All right, now then. Proverbs 1.33, all who listen to me, who live in peace, uh, will live in peace and safety, unafraid of harm. So because I'm listening to the Word of God, I live in peace and safety, unafraid of harm. Now let's see what Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Oh, you said, Dr. Thea, Jesus was led by the Holy Ghost to be tempted by the devil. That's me. God's guiding me to be tempted. No, he's not. Just like he's not guiding you to be crucified. Jesus was crucified in your place, and he did this in your place, right? We don't have to do that. Two, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, come on, that these stones become bread. So Jesus is the new Adam and the last Adam, according to 1 Corinthians 15. He is the fulfillment of the first Adam, which you saw in Genesis chapter 1, or Genesis chapter 3, two, 1, 2, 3. So Adam ate the forbidden fruit and died. God's Spirit left him, spiritually died. He said, in dying, you will die. Another two deaths, dying spiritually, then physically. So Jesus had to pass the same test. The first test was a test of the flesh. Eat the forbidden fruit. Adam failed right there. So Jesus had to go through that one first. The flesh, testing of the flesh. Turn these stones into bread because you haven't eaten for 40 days. What did Jesus do? Use the word of God to stand against the devil. But Jesus said, it is written, it is written, 
It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. So say this, I must use the word of God to stop the devil's attacks. Then the devil took Jesus up into a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So he said, throw yourself down from here now. God's going to protect you. What did Jesus say? It is written. It is written. Quoting the word. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. That was a temptation in the soul realm. The soul realm. I'm all that in a bag of chips. Prove that you're all that in a bag of chips. Throw yourself off here. It's a soul realm temptation. And Jesus passed it. All right, verse 8. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, all these things I'll give you if you fall down and worship me. Number one, if they were not the devils, Jesus would have said, you're lying, that's not your kingdoms to give away. They were his kingdoms. He he got them from Adam. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 said he's the God of this world. But Jesus wanted back when he rose from the dead, and now the devil works to the unsaved. All right, now watch this. All these things I'll give you. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So it was a spiritual temptation. Worship me, and I'll give you the kingdoms. And he said, No, you worship God only. So, spirit, uh, flesh, flesh, Soul, spirit, Jesus passed all three on our account, on our account. Amen? He conquered the devil and the world on our account. So you can say, because he did that on your behalf, you can say you defeated the devil right there. You defeated the devil right there because he did it for you on your behalf. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So the devil walked away because the word was quoted he couldn't do anything. He had to leave. You got that? Say that. I declare, in the name of Jesus, I resist you, Satan. I declare, this battle is the Lord's. I am victorious. I have no need to fear. God is on my side. I read the end of the book. The book of Revelation. We win. God is victorious. Thank you, Jesus. I'm in the winning team. I'm in the ark of Noah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, give the Lord some praise in the house.